Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Welcome to Mercy Hill Church. My name is Ernie. I'm the pastor here. I am delighted to have you guys with us this morning and excited to, to do this again. It's been a couple of weeks since I got to talk to you all, you know, in this way, look at the word together. And I'm just really excited to do it. But before we do, I want to share a story um, about me in college, all right? And usually when you say that sentence as an adult, a story about me in college and you're in your 30s, you're pretty sure like what's gonna happen is I'm gonna talk about something dumb I did, all right? Uh, 90% of the time it's gonna be me talking about something really silly I did. And I remember uh, I wanted my friend, I love to hunt. I wanted all my friends that I was, that I was best friends with. I was like, hey, I want y'all to like hunting too. And so one week I'm like, hey, I'm gonna bring them up to hunt camp. We're all gonna kill deer. It's awesome. We got one day. We're gonna get up there really early and we're gonna kill deer on that one day. And so the first morning we woke up, we went hunting. We didn't see very much. And then I was gonna go get a camera. And if you don't know what that is, I was gonna go check a card on camera. It's like Hunter's this like creepy little thing where we put cameras all around the woods so we could spy on deer, try to figure out what they're doing. It's like super weird. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go get a camera, see if the deer are moving in that area. And, and I'm gonna bring one of my buddies with me because it'd be pretty cool. So we drive out and we're driving down this road. And if you can imagine with me, I need you to you know, envision this. We're on a logging road, okay? And if you've ever seen a logging road, maybe you haven't, they're not paved and they're just wide enough to get equipment through there. And on each side, typically what you have is you have like a bank of mud, you know, because they've been driving over this heavy equipment, and so it's been, the ground has been pushed down, and you have these two banks of mud or dirt that's about three feet, four feet high. And I'm driving through there, and I pull off, because on this little, this other little logging road, so I take a right-hand turn, imagine with me, imagine with me, imagine with me, all right? Take a right-hand turn, and I'm, and I'm parked to go get the camera, nothing's on there, I'm immediately disappointed. And I get in the car and I just begin to back out and go the opposite way. But when I did that, I'm driving my dad's truck, okay? And if you ever drove a truck, it doesn't like turn as easily as a car and I've been driving a car for a long time at that point, so I got in this truck and my truck just, it just swung out over the edge and then boom, I heard this loud boom. The front of my vehicle, the bumper was stuck on that mud end. The back of the vehicle was stuck on the other mud end. The tires were barely touched ground. It looked a lot like this. I think they caught it on video. Uh, did we get that on video? Yeah, it looked a lot like this. So here I am. It, imagine those being like walls of dirt, all right? And pretty soon I'm like trying to back up and I'm stuck and I'm just doing this back and forth, okay? This is me. This is actual video of me of what happened, all right? But now I'm stuck. I can't move the vehicle. I call my dad. And I'm like, Dad, I need you to come and bring somebody with a truck. I really got us stuck. And he's like, oh, I know what you did. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, I don't think you do. I don't think you understand what I did. I don't think you see it. And he shows up, all my buddies in the car, and I just see his face go, what did you do? And he gets out of the car, and he's literally jumping around like, how did you do this, like the bumpers hanging off the front, you know, like it's not going anywhere. The, the, the tires aren't even touching the ground, all right? He's like, how on earth? And he just drives off and leaves us there. I'm like calling him like, dad, are you coming back? He goes, yes, I have to go get something. He's gotta go into town, buy a come along that's gonna pull us out. And I am sitting in the back of the truck with my friends, they're all cackling at me and they're all laughing at me. And I'm like, and after a while, they kind of say, I don't think it's funny anymore, you know? In fact, I didn't think it was funny at all at that moment. And my buddy Ben looks at me and goes, you know what we're gonna do? This is what we're gonna do, guys. We're gonna get this truck unstuck. 
We're gonna get this truck unstuck so when your dad shows up, he will bask in the glory of our victory that we didn't need that. And Ernie, you will regain your sonship. And we're like, yes! Guess what happened? 15 minutes later, we're sitting in the back of the truck and completely defeated, all right? Like, <laughs> waiting on my dad to show up with the come along. He shows up with the come along. We get out, you know? I don't know, you ever had a moment like that where you just did something completely dumb and then you gotta look to the person that you completely messed up and you typically don't have a lot of confidence or excitement about that. I mean, I remember looking at my dad and when he came up to me, I was like, oh, head hang down, like it was low. I'm like, I don't wanna look at you. I know what I've done. I messed up your truck. And it's just a bad moment. Now that's a funny moment, but there's been other moments in my life that my dad has found me in much worse than just wrecking a truck. Or I've had to look at him and say, man, I can't believe I did that. I never thought I would be capable of that. And I remember having to go to him and all the things that I was talking to myself, saying to myself, these titles I was putting on me, mess up, loser, failure, sinner, black sheep. And I have a great dad. And because I have a great dad, when I would come before him and I would tell him what happened and tell him what I did is that he would begin to take off all those titles I put on myself. He's like, you're not a failure. You're my son. You're not a loser. You're not a black sheep. You're beloved. You're who I delight in. You're blessed. That's one thing I always count on. When I went to my dad, I may not have shown up with a lot of confidence, but he gave me a ton. I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe you've had a moment where you've gotten the truck stuck and you're worried about what your dad, your heavenly father is gonna look like when he shows up. Maybe you begin to put titles in your forehead. Loser, failure. Mess up. If that's you, you're in the right place. Because what the word of God has for us this morning in the book of 1 John is, is that God has a much greater title for you. Son, daughter of the king. And many of you have that title, but you don't live in the confidence of it because you're so worried about what you just did. And this morning, as we dig into God's word, I want us to find confidence in who we are as sons and daughters of the king because that's what John wants for us, not to live out tragic lives, putting false titles on our foreheads that don't exist there, but walking with the true ones that Jesus has given us. See, Christian, you don't have to live a life of dread of your father. You're meant to live a life of confidence and be unashamed before God. And that is totally possible because of Jesus. And we're gonna see how that's true this morning. But before we get into 1 John, we're gonna be at 1 John, we're gonna be looking at three verses. 
And first John, starting in verse 28, chapter two, verse 28 is where we're gonna be. Uh, but before we dig into that, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather to make much of you, Lord. I ask that as we reflect on these words, you begin to transform and change our hearts, that we would see ourselves as you've seen us. We would see ourselves even more as you've said we are to be and as you have made us. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Okay, uh, verse 28 starts like this. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, he may be, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does what is righteous has been born of him. See what great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, amen? And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Okay, we're looking at three verses, and these are, it's an extremely beautiful, incredible message. And in this message, I got three points for us, and here's the first one. Intimacy now will bring confidence later. That's a promise. Intimacy now will bring confidence later. If you look at back at verse 28, John says he wants something for these people. What does he say he wants? He says, I want you to be confident and unashamed at Christ's coming. I want you to be confident and unashamed at Christ's coming. When, you, when he appears, when you see him, I want you to have confidence. I want you to have confidence in a future moment when you come face to face with your creator. I want you to have that. Now you're like, what is confidence? Confidence is freedom or boldness of speech that comes as a result of a clear conscience, okay? And you've experienced this in your life. Let me tell you how you've experienced this in your life. And you've experienced it with an authority in your life. That every one of you, when say you played sports, say you played sports and you hit the game-winning shot, my dad would do this. I'd hit the, if I did something good, he'd be like, hey, what'd you do today? Tell me what you did. And loudly and confident, be like, I won the game. And he'd be like, yeah, you did. But there was other times he asked me what I did that day that I wasn't that confident. It's like, what would typically happen is I'd go to school and get in a lot of trouble. My teacher would call my dad, and my dad would look at me that day and say, hey, what did you do today? And I'm like, nothing. I'm not so confident because I'm aware about what I'm about to receive, justice. I'm aware that I did wrong and I'm about to get in trouble. See, some of us, Guys, the idea that John is using right here is this. When he says, hey, I want you to be confident and unashamed at the coming of God is that the Christians of that day believed that Jesus could return any moment. And John's saying, hey, when he shows up, will you be confident? Will you be unashamed at his appearing? If he was to catch you last Tuesday at three o'clock, if he was to catch you last Thursday, at 4 p.m., would you have been excited to see him at that moment? Some of us, let's be honest, would not have excitement but dread. And for some of us, rightly so. Because what we've placed our confidence in of being in right standing with our Heavenly Father is our own actions. And the idea of Jesus showing up on a Tuesday 
or on a Thursday or on a Wednesday and interrupting our life terrifies us because we begin to play the math in our head. Did I go to church enough? Did my good outlay my bad? Did I avoid all the right things at this time? Will it be enough? And if that's where your confidence is placed, you have no reason to have confidence before God. Because what the word of God says is this, is that none are righteous, no, not even one. It says that your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. And in that moment, if that's what you have your confidence in, dread should be on your heart because you don't have what it takes to live a life approving to God. So the only confidence, the only reason we can have confidence before God is not by our actions, but what Jesus had did 2,000 years ago, that he showed up and he lived the perfect life, the life you should have lived, and that he took on your punishment on the cross, that he died for your sins, that God punished sin in Jesus instead of in you. And now by believing and having faith and trusting in his work, you are a new creation in God. That he was punished for your sins and you receive his righteousness. That's the only confidence that could be had. It's the only place where it could be found. Now here's a tragedy that Paul's dealing with. Right? I mean, not Paul, John. I did that a lot last time. That John is really speaking to. And I believe this makes up a lot of people in this room is that there are a lot of people in this room that have trusted Jesus for salvation, but you're not trusting him for the transformation in your life. You see the coming of Jesus and you have low confidence because yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I'm following Jesus. Yes, he is, but it's now it's my job to bring about transformation in my life. It's my job to have change and to be different. It's my job, and when those things don't happen, oh my goodness. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. Son, daughter of the king, Christian in this room, do you realize the inheritance that God has given you? That he didn't just save you from your sins and say, figure it out, but he said, no, 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 I'm gonna save you from your sins and then I'm gonna be the one that transformed you. Philippians 1.6 says this, that he who started a good work would finish it in you. See, the work that happens in you and through you is the work of God. And somewhere along the line that you start seeing your confidence for God is, is in your performance. What you could do. And our confidence is only found by the work of God. When we are Christians, when we are followers of Jesus and we've trusted him, for salvation, but we're not trusting him and leaning on him for transformation in our life. You know what we're like? We're like somebody who's won the lotto but refuses to open the mail. The money's right there. But you're gonna live like you don't have it. 
You're gonna have access to living water, but not drink it. You're gonna have access to the bread of the life, but not, but not eat of it daily. See, our confidence is not found in our performance. It's found in who we're being present with. See, if you look back at verse 28, look back at verse 28. What does he say? Continue with him so that you will be unashamed and have confidence on that day. You see what John is telling him to do? He's not religious. He's not saying, hey, you want confidence in your salvation? Great, do a bunch of good works. You know what John's telling us to do? He said, be with Jesus. In fact, he just got done telling us that a couple of times, the verses before. Didn't you love how Cody described last week abiding, a word that we typically don't use? Abiding, meaning to stay in one place, to abide, to live, to make Jesus your home, to have intimate relationship. See, when John says, you wanna have confidence in God, he's not saying, go do a bunch of good work. He's not saying, go start a nonprofit. He's not saying, go share the gospel. He's not saying any of those things. He's not saying, build up a work of righteousness for yourself to say, hey, look, I'm changed, I'm different. God has transformed me. He's saying, be with God, and God will make you confident and unashamed by pressing in relationship with him. You're like, Ernie, what does that mean to continue with God? What does it mean to abide? Here's a real great picture. All right, I'm married, if y'all didn't know that, all right? 12 years on April 10th. Yes, I remembered, all right? Me and Laura are married, that's a fact. But in our marriage, we have an abiding relationship where we eat together, where we sleep together, where we plan our lives together, where we see our lives as one. We could have a marriage but not abide in that relationship, not foster or cultivate intimacy, not cultivate depth. Many of you Christians live your life that way, that you're a son or a daughter of the king, but you experience no intimacy in your relationship and you have low confidence because you don't spend time with God. I'm not just talking about a 20-minute quiet time every morning. I'm talking about inviting Jesus into your everyday life by believing he's with you, by prayer throughout the day, by looking at scripture, by meditating on it, by rejoicing with God's people. See, John tells us, hey, you want confidence in your standing? He doesn't tell you to do a bunch of stuff. He tells you to be with someone. And when you're with someone, guess what? You start hearing the truth about who you are. And John's about to lay that down. Look at 29 in verse one. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father lavishes on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, amen. Here's truth number two. You're meant to have confidence as a child of God. As a child of God. Now here's something we need to understand. Birth precedes behavior. All right, that's what he's saying in verse 29. He uses this idea of like knowledge twice. He says, hey, if you know God, if you know God and you know that he's righteous, then anyone who does righteous things is of God. Now, we, we get this mixed up, and, and I love this because 
Uh, it's actually really incredible and amazing. Because we get this mixed up. We see stuff like this, and we start thinking about all the things we do wrong and all the ways that we mess up and all the ways that we trip up, and we begin to go, oh my gosh, well, I did that thing yesterday. Maybe I don't know God. Maybe I don't know the gospel. Maybe my heart hasn't been transformed. We begin to doubt our salvation over and over and over and over again, and we look at a verse, and that's what triggers in our mind, but that's not what John means here. What John means here is like, hey, listen, we know God's righteous, and, and church people in Ephesus, because that's who he's writing to, he's like, you know what God has done in your life and how he's transformed and changed you. And you know that you aren't righteous on your own, so the only person that could have done that work is God. See, I see Christians get tripped up by all the stuff they do wrong, and they're like, oh, maybe I'm not saved. But rarely do I see a Christian go, look back at the transformation God has happened, has caused in their life, and celebrate who God is in their life. Just take a minute, Christian, and think back to who you were. Some of you don't have to think that very far back. You just became a Christian in the last couple of months, and God has radically transformed and changed you. That work is the work of God in your life. It's not your work. When you became a more devoted husband, when you became a more devoted person, when you became a more faithful person, when you began to share the gospel, when you began to experience the fruits of the Spirit of enjoying it, that was the work of God because you are abiding in Christ. That's not your work. That's his work in you and through you because you spent time with him. And by the way, guys, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more transformational he's gonna be in your life. See, abiding isn't about salvation, it's about fruit. That's what he says in John 15. Abide in me as I in you, and you will bear fruit. Joy, peace, patience, confidence will spring up in your life. See, what John is telling us right here should bring confidence to a believer because the confidence is based on, wow, God is working inside me, through me. Praise God. Just take a minute and think about who you were before Jesus and now who you are and celebrate the work that God has done in your heart. Be encouraged, Christ follower. You know God and have confidence that you're his child. Look at what he says. We can have confidence. See what great the love the Father lavishes on us that we should be called children of God and that, and that is exactly who we are. I think many Christians are okay with being citizens of the, of the kingdom of God, but we struggle to grasp the reality that you're in his family. He didn't just save you to his team, he saved you to his family. We have to grasp the idea that we are a part of God's family, that you are a son and a daughter of the king, and that didn't come because you were so smart. It didn't come because you figured something out. It didn't come because you are so good. It came because of God's great love. And this is his great love. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You know what I really love about John three sixteen? You see how he says so love? You ever been so in love? 
right? You know you have. Like, come on, you've been in a dating relationship. You're just like, oh my gosh, I think about them all the time. I'm just so in love with them. It's like, I feel it in every bone. Everything reminds me of them. I see the sky or the sunset, and I'm like, isn't, isn't she amazing? Isn't she awesome? You know, like, you've just been so in love. That ever happened to you? No? Okay, it would happen to me. Hopefully it happens to you soon if it hasn't happened. But look, it's so, like you've been, I, I, one of the places where I've been so in love, by the way, is when I had my first child. Like when my wife gave birth to her first child and I saw him, I was so instantly in love with my son that I couldn't stop. I couldn't, I couldn't even talk. I was just sat there and just stared at him like this, like a weirdo, you know? And I just remember all these things bubbling up inside of me that was just like, oh my gosh, I was just overwhelmed by the amount of love and care I felt for this human being whom I just first, for the first time, physically met. And I remember while we were pregnant and me and my wife with our first child, like, we would, we would make these jokes, like, we're not gonna be those parents that, like, you know, they have no life outside their kids. You look at their Instagram, it's just all their kids. It's like, that's not gonna be us. We're gonna be cool parents. Guess what? Two weeks later, like, <laughs> just a thousand pictures on Facebook of my son over and over again, I'm meeting like strangers, and I'm like, this is my boy, look at him, look at him right here, isn't he amazing? I mean, we're just, we're just so in love with our kids, like, we just talk about it all the time, me and my wife, we go to dinner, even when we try to get away from our kids for like a weekend or uh, for 24 hours, like, we get to dinner, we're already sad, we miss our kids, and we start talking about the cool things they are and how awesome they are, like, isn't he amazing, don't we want him with us right now? You know, like, because we're so in love, we're just carried away by it. Guys, that's how God feels about you. that God so loved you, he knew that sin was separating you from him. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided to show up and change the equation to right the relationship, not because he did something wrong, but because we did something wrong. See, Christian, you need to get used to putting that title over your head Son, daughter of the king. And the only place you're gonna, the only way you're gonna be able to constantly do that is if you're in an abiding relationship with God. You're constantly hearing the truth over the lies. Because this world will love to put a bunch of titles under your, on your forehead to say who you are. It wants to tell you, you are what you do. But when you're abiding with Christ, you're gonna hear, hey, son, Hey, daughter, that is who you are. That is who you are. See, the greatest thing about abiding in Jesus is that when I spend time with Christ, he doesn't lay out all the things of all my misses and all my mess ups and all my brokens. He tells me who, I've been, who he made me to be. He tells me what he's done and how that's made us right. Here's point number three. We're named by God, not man. John at the end says, you are children of God. That is who you are. Christ follower, listen to me. You are children of God. That is who you are. And he says, and, that, and, and, and then he says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Christ follower, stop 
looking for your confidence in the world's approval. Stop letting the world put its title on your forehead. You are not what you do. You are not your past. You are not what you look like or what the world says is important. You are who Christ says you are. And the world can never name you because it doesn't know you. Isn't that what it says? Hey, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. It doesn't know our God and it doesn't, so therefore it doesn't know his children. It is a vain pursuit to try to find your confidence in life in anything this world has to offer. God knows your name. Christian, do you know your name? Beloved child of God, maybe that's all you need to hear this morning from God. That when he looks at you, he says, hey, you are a beloved child of God. Maybe some of you this morning, what you need to hear is clarity that you're not a beloved child of God. See, to all humanity, all humanity is the creation of God, but those who follow Jesus are children of God. They get that title. Some of you have trusted in your works, which you do. How often you go to church, how often you pray, how often you do good works, how often you help people or don't help people or think positive thoughts or negative thoughts or whatever it is, there's that equation going on in your mind and you think, I'm gonna get into heaven because I do good things or I don't do good things. And right now, you have an opportunity to take the first step in a relationship with Jesus by actually confessing you don't have what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. You don't have what it takes to have confidence before God. But accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus has offered us through his life and death on a cross. That he lived the life you were meant to live. And all you have to do is trust the life, the life that he's lived and his sacrifice. And confess, I don't have what it takes but you do. And then walk as a son and daughter of the king. Christian, drop those titles that aren't yours. Don't find confidence in what you do for God. Find confidence in your relationship with God by who he says you are. Let his voice be the loudest voice in your ears. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for an opportunity to gather. Thank you so much that we can make much of you, that we could worship you. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, your voice would be the loudest voice in our ears. I ask that as we reflect on this truth, that we are sons and daughters of the king that would draw us to a father who doesn't continually tell us our missteps, but points to what he's done and speaks to whom he's made us to be. Lord, may we live out our identity in Christ and stop living out our performance for you. I have been transformed. I have been changed. You are working in me. You will finish the work you've started. 
May our response not be do more, work harder, but deeper and further in with you. Lord, woo our hearts at this moment. Draw us to you. A people that have no righteousness on our own, but because you have lavished your love upon us, we have a righteousness that did not belong to us, it belonged to Christ, but you've given it to us as if it was ours. Fan the flame of affection in our hearts for you. Lord, may we drink deeply of you this week. May we be a people that know you and walk and that that would be the source of our confidence before you. Change and transform our lives. Jesus, we love you. You are so good. We wanna make much of you here in this place and in our lives. Amen.